Christmas tension where some people think that we're all disconnected and we're all by ourselves and even within ourselves there's different multiple places and different people and there's other people that think we're all connected and all one and hunky-dory. Which of, which of the two are we? We'll find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome, friends. My name is Justin, and you're watching Inverse. And in the Inverse studio at Hope Channel, we have Israel, Siku, and Callie, and we are talking about the topic of biblical sexuality. We are in episode 9, entitled Interconnected, and we're looking at all the different aspects of the human identity that is really a holistic picture, as we see in the last episode, of God's image. We are talking about some sensitive material, so if you have material, or if you have minors, I should say, that you want to be mindful of them and to be monitoring the situation. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. But Callie, before we read scripture, can you pray for us? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have right now to study your word together. We thank you how you've guided us in weeks past, and we trust that you will continue to guide us even as we delve into this lesson. Open our eyes that we may see what you want us to see in your word, and may we come to a more balanced and a more biblical understanding of sexuality because of our study and our conversation today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, please. Okay. It reads, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right. So we have been looking at different aspects of biblical sexuality in the last uh, episodes or so. Uh, we want to encourage you to go to hopetv.org slash inverse, and you can see past episodes and catch up to where we are. This is a really uh, a composite picture of biblical sexuality. You can also go to inversebible.org, and you can download our Bible study guides on biblical sexuality and also other topics. And... Uh, uh, and, and hang out with us. Uh, Israel, what are some things that you have remembered from the past episodes thus far? The thing that I remember the most is the foundation that we've laid out mm. really stuck with me. The episode fact one. that, yeah, episode one, the fact that we come to the topic just like we come to any other topic with certain scripts. Mm -hmm. And these scripts ultimately impact our perception, not just on how we eat meals, like Kelly was mentioning, <laughs> but also how we how we relate to the topic of sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. um, so that came to mind. I enjoyed the previous uh, episode that I was on, but I was listening to mm -hmm. on the topic of uh, same-sex attraction and all these other elements that mm -hmm. kind of creep in that. And many times the church doesn't talk about. Yes. And I appreciate the way you guys address that topic. So we've talked about what uh, real sex should look like within the context of the Bible, what is inappropriate, and yes. so forth and so on. Yes, in this world with a diversity of ideas, we need to present what Scripture has to say and how Scripture interacts with some of these difficult, uh, not-so-cut-and-dry uh, scenarios and, and issues. So, um, Siku, let's, let's talk about Matthew chapter 7. Mm -hmm. We're looking at this concept of being interconnected. Share more about how, what, what Matthew talks about there. Um, for me, this relates directly to what we talked about the 
previous episode mm -hmm. um, talking about. So we have this ideal picture of biblical sexuality, mm -hmm. but we ourselves struggle with that picture in our own lives. And then a lot of times, sometimes, you know, we can be judgmental of other people's struggles with that picture. And particularly when we discuss homosexuality, that becomes a big one. Mm -hmm. Or um, all the LGBTQ plus, you know, um, definitions. And we, especially in Christianity, those things can become so demonized that it's, oh, it's the worst thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what Matthew chapter 7 talks about is about how do we interact with one another when you are seeing that somebody else has something that is not right in their lives, mm -hmm. that doesn't accord with the standard that the Bible has, mm -hmm. but how are we supposed to relate to one another? Mm -hmm. And the principle that's brought out here in Matthew chapter 7 is, in as much as, yes, there may be something that's off in someone else's life, but be careful when you're pointing fingers because... Um, when you're pointing one finger, three are pointing back at you, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then one's pointing up to God. That's what people say. Hey, guys, yeah, yeah. That's a riff on that one. Uh, there is true. There are double standards that we find in society in the church, uh, where hey, uh, if you're if you're of this, if you're a sexual deviant, as some people say, that that is the worst sin. How could you be doing it? But oh, this person who has uh, a mistress on the side. Well, you know, you got to understand this person has had a, a bad life, and, and you understand the pressures. So that that we'll just kind of sweep that under lug and then uh, rug and then if you're uh, lug and then if you're if you're a liar well that's okay you we all, all do that we have struggles <laughs> but we, you 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 watch that on internet well we're what it why why do we do that where does that come from israel that's a human nature and i what jesus is saying here is so powerful in the sense that the sin that we see in other people is designed to show us the sinfulness of our own heart, mm. which is sometimes what we fail to actually accomplish, mm -hmm. right? Many times, and, and this is what has always really bothered me about myself and about just the human race, that as a struggling... Yeah, issues with the human race. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. the whole race, the whole human race. I have a problem with the whole world. Um, and and the, the challenge that we face is that I know what it means to struggle in life, right? Struggle with sin. Mm -hmm. And if anything, this, uh, uh, this struggle that I have in my life should give me compassion towards others who mm -hmm. have similar struggles. Mm -hmm. But what Jesus is portraying here is the fact that being that kind of an individual, a, a human being who is struggling with sin, you see sin in other people, and your natural inclination and temptation is to not just eat, even treat them equally the way you're hard on yourself, but actually to treat them worse than you are. Mm -hmm. And what I've tried to do in applying this passage to my own life is to reflect on the fact that any sin that I see in another individual shows the fact that actually my sin is greater than their sin every time. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for us to think about the gross sins of other people and think to ourselves, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with wrath with, you know, towards these individuals. But that wrath in itself is symptomatic of the fact that I have a deeper sin in my own mm -hmm. life, which is unchristlikeness. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what Christ is trying to portray. The act of judgment on another person is the greatest of all sins. Mm -hmm. We see the evidence in social psychology that those issues that you have deep within you yeah. that you don't want to acknowledge and you're, you're mm -hmm. on a subconscious level so you like, don't you, even you want do to that. acknowledge. <laughs> but the minute you see in somebody else it just all comes out in a warped way where you're blind to it yourself but you see in someone else like, whoa, how dare you? 
whereas it's your own reflection. So that's a very, it's a, it's a very telling, telling scenario. Yeah. yeah. And just to expand on the point of this is human nature of it requires a lot of humility and self-reflection and desire for growth, all things that are unnatural mm. to us. But to judge someone and to be hard on someone, that, that, that kind of feels powerful. Just like it's easier to feel angry at someone than to feel hurt. Mm. It, it's the same realm of, you know, talking about that. And at the end of the day, it's even just an inconsistent standard because like a speck and a plank, very different, but you can see how it's like, oh, you have something. It's like you have something all over your face, mm-hmm. but it's it's inconsistency. So even there, it's not even, it's so obvious to everyone else how unbiblical it is. Mm-hmm. And if you even want to think about how Jesus handled these kinds of situations, Jesus never sinned, and yet he has compassion for the lowest of society, those who everyone says, oh, they have the worst sin. Mm-hmm. I talked earlier about John chapter 4, and that's the woman at the well. I mean, she's a woman with many husbands, and the person she lives with isn't even her husband. And that person, Jesus decides to share the gospel in a very explicit way. Mm. And so that's how Jesus Jesus interacts with people who do the worst sins, mm-hmm. and that's how we should interact with Kelly, them. Kelly, I, I want to under, uh, underscore something that you said that was was very powerful. You said that people who do this, they do this because they feel powerful. The pointing out of sins yeah. and in, in, into into laying out narratives and into saying, "Hey, this is right, this is wrong," and and and, and pushing your agenda. You feel righteous. It's it's all really a struggle of power at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And yeah. Now I'm Jesus, in control. Yeah. That 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 that's very fascinating. Jesus comes into the scenario, and he's he's also calling out sins, but not from a p- position of power structure and and whatever, mm-hmm. but but healing and and and, and helping overcome from yeah. a very humble and and because if he had pointed stuff out in a power structure way, mm. think about how he could have destroyed the Pharisees, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. even just and the way he ca- calls them out, he like writes in the sand, yeah. and he there's like parables that are kind of vague that you can interpret different ways, yeah. Yeah. but it's like if I was Jesus and I had all that information, man, I. Would have. I was like, oh, everyone, hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Here yes. are the sins of the Pharisees. Yes. But that that's not the posture. He's like, Jesus is like, how can I reveal their struggles and their sins to them without adding embarrassment and in the most winsome way possible? So Jesus is like, how can I do this in the most humble way? How can yeah. I cause the least amount of damage to their souls yeah. by showing them their, their condition? Versus ours is like, how can I cause the most damage yeah. in yeah. the shortest amount of time? And he yeah. still does show the sin. Yeah, right? he does. But it's the method of which is just such a such a. He's just masterful. He's just he's so way. winsome yes. and loving about yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to point out, so it's kind of switch gears from what we're talking about, which, yes. which I love. But um, in verse five. You were in Matthew or, 7, Matthew 7 verse still in yes. Matthew mm-hmm. 7, okay. mm-hmm. um, which just says hypocrite, right? Um, but then he says, first remove the plank from your own eye, mm. and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Mm. And I I think the, 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 the first part of the discussion, I think sometimes is where it ends. Yeah. It's like, Don't oh, we call it out. Don't yeah. say anything. Like, and Focus so, on yourself. Who are you? Yeah, mm-hmm. who are you to judge right. somebody else's life? Like, right. let them live how they want to live. Like, mm-hmm. you're not in their bedroom. Like, that's none of your business. Mm-hmm. But what this is showing is, I guess, in in terms of like the interconnectedness is how do we relate to when we see that in other people's lives, recognizing our own faults. But the reason for for having this posture is so that you can help somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. You say, first first look to yourself, let God deal with you so that then you can help them remove that speck from someone else's eye. In a real way. Yeah, and that's that's the purpose of it. And and it reminds me of um, Psalm 51, if we could go there. Psalms 51? Okay. Yeah. Um, Old Testament. 
this is, you know, David's prayer of repentance, mm -hmm. you know, after he had had a sexual fall, yes. you know, with Bathsheba. And he's, he's repenting and he's, in verse 7, purge me with hyssop. Um, verse 8, make me hear joy. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins, blot out my iniquities. And the, the famous verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Um, but I'm going to jump to verse 13. Okay. All of these things, he's praying that God would cleanse him, that God would give him a new experience in him. And then he says in verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways mm -hmm. and sinners shall be converted to you. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I need this personal experience. I need you to take the plank out of my eye so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. So I can help somebody else who may be struggling mm -hmm. as well. Siku, hold that thought. When we come after the break, we're going to see what Siku has to teach us sinners more of the Lord's ways. So stay with us. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. We do live in a society where we like to compartmentalize. We like to separate, and the more we separate, we can distance, and we distance, we can judge, and we point out, and sometimes make ourselves feel better, maybe a power struggle, like we talked about in the first half of the show. And Siku, you're mentioning we're in, in Psalms 51. Why, what, is the, uh, what, is, what, is, what is David getting at? At the end, he, his whole repentance and confession is to help other people, mm -hmm. yes? Mm -hmm. Precisely. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it strikes me, it's, it's, <laughs> it strikes me that out of the 19 verses uh, that that deal with the sin of David, that the major the vast majority of them are dealing with himself. Mm. And then there's that one verse that says, "Then will I teach transgressors thy ways." Mm. I think the the challenge that we have in our human experience is that we want you know the 18 verses to mm. be about others, mm. and that one verse to be about ourselves. Mm. And what what this teaches us is the fact that in many cases we would be able to help more people if we were more aware of our own sins right. mm -hmm. and if we were more aware of our own weaknesses that would then give us the ability to have compassion on others what kelly was saying regarding the power of god and you said you know think about the impact it would have on the pharisees i think to myself think about the impact that would have on my life right <laughs> if 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 jesus came down on me the way I come down on others mm. the impact that that would have on my life the fact that the God of the universe who has no sin mm -hmm. uh, would come down on me in that way there would be no hope for humanity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as gross and I and and I don't want to be misunderstood here I think gross sins need to be addressed mm -hmm. uh, even even small sins need to be addressed right but when we think about the ten the, the 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 impact especially of sexual sins they need to be addressed but they always should be addressed with salvation in view mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you look at see when you see the Old Testament and sometimes God does come hard on on Israel right mm -hmm. but you also see the context of the children of Israel the children of Israel <laughs> also the <laughs> the children of Israel, the children of Israel. Uh, but you also see the the stubbornness and the the the, the blindness and like the the the, the stupidity really yeah. of not being able, not the self awareness. And so mm -hmm. God, almost in His mercy, has to be sharp with them to get them to reveal uh, to understand their their, tr their true condition. Whereas when Jesus comes, He has a, a different mode because he's, he's face to face. And with some of the the Pharisees, He 
he's also just as sharp as we are. Well, yeah, there's it. an escalation, like in the way that God deals with the children of Israel. There's an escalation. Like it's like, okay, I send my prophets, and he sends mm. the prophets day and night, mm. and they're not listening. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to send somebody to come and take you into captivity. Mm -hmm. It's he doesn't start out like yelling, yeah. you know, and and he it's it's a gentle approach, and it's because of the hardness of their hearts, because of their stubbornness, mm -hmm. he has to go to extreme measures. And even when Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees, he doesn't start out calling them whitewashed sepulchers, yeah. you know. Full of dry bones. That's not how he starts the conversation. <laughs> yeah, but there's an escalation because you're not hearing me, mm. you know. And you know, we do this with our kids. Like, okay, come here, no. come here. I I said, come. Did you hear me? I said, you, it, but you don't start by yelling out so the neighbors can hear you. Mm -hmm. It's it's because of the response that you're getting. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that would be the ideal. Be the ideal. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, Kelly. <laughs> uh, well, I also have a thought about Psalm 51. Okay. If I may. Yes. And that is just the only thing that David himself does is he acknowledges his transgressions. Mm. Mm. Everything else is just begging God to do something. Mm. Mm -hmm. He's asking God to create. He's not saying like, God, you know what? I messed up. I will create in myself a clean heart. I will purge myself with his up. I will do all those things. Mm -hmm. He's begging God for that cleansing that he know he can't do. Mm -hmm. And just as we're talking about the grossness of so many different sins, sexual and otherwise, I think still sometimes we we go in this transition where might might be like, okay, they're not that bad. Okay, now they are that bad. I need to fix this. Mm -hmm. But it's like you can't look at how bad they are and then rely upon yourself because you're just going to be either disillusioned or depressed. Mm -hmm. And you need to keep going and say, yes, this is terrible and this needs to be rectified. And so turn to God, acknowledge, mm -hmm. and then ask God to do the cleansing and the changing. Mm -hmm. And I can just think of so many different times in my life where I actually use Psalm 51 against myself. Mm -hmm. And I just used it. I focused on these are all these things David's saying. I need to say all these things. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, I wasn't, my posture wasn't towards God. It wasn't like God purged me with hyssop. It's just like, I need to be purged with hyssop. It's not like creating me clean. It's a mantra. Yes, I need a clean heart. It's what the Bible says. I need to create a clean heart. But it's like, yeah, who's doing the creating, Callie? But like, don't think about that. Just, we need a clean heart. And so when, when we approach these with, with, we need to approach with the posture of David. Mm -hmm. And that is, God, I see all these terrible things and you are the only one with the strength mm -hmm. and the grace to change them. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to stop there. We want to go all the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. It seems like in our, in our sinful condition, humanity likes to sever, likes to crack, yes. likes to disconnect. In what areas, and, and, and the, the script of the Bible, the scripture of the <laughs> Bible, uh, is, is really trying to connect, really connect the human identity, connects, connects back to God, connect even in human, human society together. What are areas in, in, regarding the topic of biblical sexuality that the Bible really needs to connect in our minds? We need to get it in our minds and, and ask the Lord to help us with in, in connecting. I, did, I do not understand the question. Okay. Uh, Again. What do so, you mean? Speak, so to us. speak to us, Jesse. The, 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 uh, we've talked about in the past episodes, we like to look at human nature in different areas, mm -hmm. right? We look at, Segment. it's either just my physical self or my emotional self or my myself. Or in society, it. we're like, you know, you're that, I'm this, right? Mm -hmm. Or when it comes to the cosmic uh, scene, you know, diff different levels, God, you're up there, we're just down here. And so we're, we, we naturally gravitate towards fracturization. Mm -hmm. But the Bible is always trying to unite everything, bring together. Mm -hmm. And in the area of biblical sexuality, what, uh, where, where does connect, what do connections 
actions need to take place. Okay, I understand okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> I have an answer now. Okay. <laughs> Gally, I tell think us, part tell of us. it is one thing we compartmentalize away from sexuality is we take out the emotional aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes we can say sex is a sexual is a physical act, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's very that way, and so it's like clearly that's all it is. This is where we get things like hookup culture. Like I'm just here to satisfy physical need. I don't need to know your name. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know anything about your life. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no connection. There's no intimacy. Mm -hmm. And but when in the Bible sexuality is the culmination of so many things but it includes a, um, an emotional closeness mm -hmm. and that intimacy is required for holistic intimacy mm -hmm. because sex isn't just a physical act mm -hmm. it's also a lot of things but including emotional mm -hmm. from this uh, holistic picture of what you're talking about yeah. if you engage in sexual sex sex sexual acts as as just on a physical level mm -hmm. there is long-term emotional damage mm -hmm. long-term yeah. spiritual damage long-term social damage mm -hmm. of which we are not aware of because yeah. we continue to think in a fracturized state and I've also found too, I've been reading a couple different articles about the hookup culture um, mm. that is our current day and age. And sometimes they, I, they usually hold two two things. So one is either like there is no emotional damage. Everyone, this is archaic. You guys are just scarred with shame culture. Mm -hmm. It's everything's fine. Get over yourself. And the other side is like, um... I have these 5,000 witnesses that disagree with that research. That sounds nice, and you can call it archaic, but all these people are have the ramifications in their life. And I can totally get why people want to take that away and pretend it's not there and be like, it's not a big deal, you're being archaic, hookup culture is fine. I can get where that comes from because that requires you to acknowledge the Bible is real and then there's like all those ramifications. But if you look at just the human experience, you you can only say that because you want it to be true. Mm -hmm. You can't look at actual human relationships and say everything is fine because with the rise of mental yeah, health issues, right, like right. you, you just can't be honest mm -hmm. and actually come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. Well said, yeah. well yeah. said. Mental illness yeah. is the, the disease of our age. 100%. Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's interesting to me is when you look at the, especially the beginning parts of, and actually throughout all of scripture, that, that phrase that is used when Adam and, and Eve had their first intimate encounter was, that Adam knew his wife. Mm -hmm. And we, going back to this whole idea of compartmentalization, it was never God's purpose for two individuals just to have sex, mm -hmm. right? But rather, this was a tool, or this is supposed to be a tool by which there is an acquaintance with the other individual. Mm -hmm. And so it, the sexual encounter should, with, within the marital context, should be for, for the purpose of knowing the other person, knowing the other person in ways that you cannot know them otherwise. Mm -hmm. And when, when we think about knowledge or when we think about knowing something, in our minds, this is already compartmentalized, right? To know does not, knowing something doesn't necessarily have to have uh, some kind of a call to action on my part. I can know something that is vital to the survival of people and I can still say, ah, even though I know it, I'm not gonna act on it. Mm -hmm. Whereas when the Bible talks about knowing, when, God when, when it talks about God knowing us and us knowing God, it means that there is an entire commitment of the individual to the other individual that they are trying to know. And so in this way, I think God seeks to connect the knowledge of the other person along with sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The yada of the, of the yeah. ancient Hebrew. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah oh, another thing that I, I, I think of that as a disease of our age, mm -hmm. that, 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 that's parallel to, to mental illness, is that, you know, God is, God, in, in, in Genesis 1, everything was connected. Yeah, mm -hmm. God, animals, human beings, <laughs> male, female, you know, the angels were all connected. And then now, even within ourselves, we knew who we were, and now we're in, in a totally separate, uh, separating, separating, separating. And there's this, the 
the, the, our generation is such in a, a thirst to connect. Yeah, we yeah. want to connect, connect. And it's as if technology is this replacement oh. for that which God has originally intended for humanity. Mm. And it's a horrible it's replacement. so bad. Yeah, we need <laughs> our, our phones. We need that Wi-Fi connection. We need our social media. By the way, you want to connect with us on social media <laughs> on the Inverse Bible. You can do that. But uh, Great time it, to plug it. This is, it's, it's, a, it's not a substitute. It's a wonderful yeah. tool, but not a substitute. Yeah. And that we think that supplants our all of our innermost, deepest needs as a human being, which yeah. totally does not suffice. Well, because in biblical terms, it's a broken cistern. Mm. It doesn't hold the water that quenches our thirst. Mm. So even by disconnecting from social media, and obviously we don't disconnect from all social media because we want you guys to watch Inverse, but <laughs> <laughs> this idea, like when I take a step back from certain social media platforms, or at the very least, severely reduce my time, mm -hmm. I connect with humanity so much better. Mm -hmm. So it's literally the opposite of what it promises. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard because they have all these promises for like, man, maybe, and we think like maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just bad at this. Maybe I'm just crazy. But it's like, no, 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 it's actually everyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that social media, it does afford some connection, but it's not close to real connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. This discussion is very abstract. We're talking about these, these disconnections <laughs> and people are like, what are, you, what are these like, marionettes and uh, all these like strings everywhere? Let me, what are some practical takeaways that you can share with, with our brothers and sisters out there? Uh, how do we connect? Wh whether it's within ourselves, within other people, with God. Uh, yeah, read the Bible. Yeah, pray, but really on a on an organic level, and with all the the sexual damage that's occurred in society, how do we how do we go through this kind of remedying, Kelly? I want to go through. I want to do the introspection one because okay. that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so introspection is is a is a practice, and it. You have to, the first very, the first, well, the very first thing is you need to be able to sit quietly with your thoughts and with God. Mm. Uh, we have so much noise, social media, music, good things, but we have to be able to sit in quietness with nothing in our ears mm -hmm. and read the Bible, pray, journal, however you do that, mm -hmm. but be honest because it's crazy how loud the Holy Spirit is when we have nothing drowning him out. Mm -hmm. So I said the very first step in, in being introspective is to take apart quiet time mm -hmm. and say, God, please search me and know my heart, mm -hmm. right? Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. And and show me these things. And I think we can all be surprised by how loud he speaks. I love that principle of, of quiet. I maybe if I can add to it, also time. Yeah, 100%. Right? Not just quiet like, and like, all right, wait, 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 wait. But sometimes <laughs> requires time and yeah. sometimes may, nothing may happen. Mm -hmm. It requires uh, the, the over and over, over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the, the length of time is also. Mm -hmm. any, any other, uh, with Let's a minute see. left, on the clock. Yep. <laughs> I think another practical thing is community, community. like that we yes. need to engage community yes. and as difficult as it can be and as challenging as it is to make a decision that I will become part of a yeah. community that could potentially hurt me. Social media community is great, but also in but person, a real even better. people. Yes, yeah. yes, in, yes. In, yes. In, okay. In and Israel, anything yeah. you Set goals. Set goals in, in relationships that are not sexual in nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important as well. Mm -hmm. Well, you heard it there. These are the takeaways that we can get from this topic on interconnected under the arc of biblical sexuality. If I haven't mentioned it already, we want to encourage you to go to inversebible.org where you can download the Bible study guides or go to hopetv.org slash universe and you can catch up on these episodes. This has been a very powerful and, and practical and therapeutic episode for me. These are principles that I like to implement in my life and hopefully for all of you. This is our prayer. We're going to be praying for you guys. We're going to ask you to continue the conversation on social media in a healthy way uh, mm -hmm. under the handles of Inverse Bible. Next week we're going to continue the topic of biblical sexuality so you won't want to miss it. Join us here on Inverse. 
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.